0: Welcome to Locked On's 2023 NFL Mock Draft Special. The most comprehensive mock draft with local and national experts providing insight and analysis you can't get anywhere else. Don't miss a single pick as we discuss where the future stars of the NFL will call home. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome
2: back to the 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, Episode 3. Picks 11 through 16, picks 1 through 10 are down in the most comprehensive mock draft you'll find even bigger this year. This six-episode series taking you through the entire first round of the NFL Draft with unparalleled insight. From the war rooms of all 32 teams, thanks to the local experts on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And don't worry, if your favorite team doesn't select in the first round, you won't be left out. The hosts of your favorite team's shows will be making their first pick, whether it's round one or round three. So you'll want to stick around to make sure you don't miss a minute of the action. This binge-worthy special, you are hear from all 32 of our local NFL shows, dozens of our college shows, uh, cover your favorite teams every Monday through Friday here on the network, NFL Draft Experts, Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, and this year, you'll get some Team building insight from the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino of Locked On NFL Scouting. This extravaganza, the whole network involved and we have so much fun here. And even some glimpses into the Locked On War Room where these picks are made and some live reactions from the other hosts too their competitors picks and of course we are your hosts i'm brian peacock at pd peacock on twitter nfl analyst and co-host of the peacock and williamson nfl show and the locked on 49ers podcast here with me my co-host former nfl scout matt williamson at williamson nfl glad glad to be back here for episode three it's super fun in the top 10 and we got a lot of big picks to come here matt uh, in in episode three picks 11 through 16
3: Yeah, this is a blast. I mean, I talk about it every episode, but it always blows me away, the collaborative effort of the entire locked-on NFL network here. And putting this whole thing together is impressive from a lot of different angles, the people behind the scenes in particular. But this is fun. I mean, we got 10 picks in the books. Let's dig in, man. Speaking of the people
2: behind the scenes, great call. Adding one more face and and one more voice to the anchor desk here with Keith Sanchez, one half of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, at the Talent Code on Twitter. Uh, Keith, it's been super fun. I can't wait for
4: episode three here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm trying to see if these big guys are going to go off the board, man, if we're going to stay with the smaller guys. So I'm rooting. I'm thinking maybe two to three offensive linemen. There's a lot of heavy offensive line teams. Um, So let's see if those guys go off the board. Yeah, I think that's the
2: big story so far here in the first 10 picks. Every offensive lineman available to these teams. A lot of offensive line team, needy teams coming up. Maybe some quarterback needy teams coming up as well. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson off the board. The other first round quarterback on most boards, Will Levis, has fallen out of the top 10, is still available. So Will Levis on the board, offensive lineman on the board, still some other really good players. And right now, pick 11 on the clock is Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans ready to go here. And I got to imagine it's either quarterback Will Levis or one of those offensive linemen right now.
3: I would assume so, and especially with Jackson Smith-Najigba off the, off the market. He would have been a nice compliment to Burks. I kind of feel like their offense needs everything, and their line needs everything. So maybe in this case, I would prefer Skaronsky over Jones or Johnson, but I'm really picking nits there. I mean, any offensive lineman they take is needed.
4: Yeah, I I agree. And if the Titans have any plans on getting back to what was successful for them over the past three years, right, running the football and protecting the quarterback, they need offensive linemen. And I think it's probably three of the five positions, three of the five starters, they need to find replacements. So Skorowski would be a great fit here because he has the positional versatility.
2: I'm trying to figure out where the Titans are in, in their process. Is it a rebuild? Is it a retool? Would this team expect to make the playoffs right now should they be taking offers to maybe even move back there's talks there was talk that the titans could have moved into the top 10 maybe for a quarterback like what do you guys think about where they are in their phase of new gm but established head coach
3: is this team competing now or are they building something for later i think they should be building for later i mean Tannehill's a huge cap hit right now derrick henry's on his last leg i mean he's still really good i mean it's the last chance you have to get something for him Like, if Anthony Richardson was on the board here, I think I'd run to the podium if I were the Titans. I just don't like Levis enough. But you're right about Vrabel is, I hate the word tanking because, you know, tanking really takes place in the front office. And I think Vrabel's too good a coach to probably get a top three pick next year. So they're in a tough spot. But I think this is going to be a long year for the Titans.
4: Yeah, I, I I go back to last year and remember when they picked Traylon Burks. I don't know if they panned, you know, the TV screen and Mike Vrabel got up, right? Like he looked like he was angry about the pick and, yeah. and obviously him and the general manager parted ways, right? So you're really trying to figure out, like, you, you think about Mike Vrabel, him being a former outside linebacker, that tough, gritty mentality, and then trying to transition to what right like is is he still a mentality of defense and running football or is he trying to open this thing up to have quarterback that can throw it 40
3: 50 times a game and win the game via that way? Keith real quick question for you what's your thoughts on Willis at this stage I mean it was a disastrous first year but it's also a predictable disastrous first year
4: yeah, I, I didn't think Willis was that bad of a quarterback. I thought he would right. actually go higher, and it's, it's weird, right? Because with Malik Willis, it was, hey, everything looks bad. You know, so, some of the things look bad on film, but he has tools. And yeah. and now we're saying it about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, and they're projected to go much higher than what Malik Willis did. So I think if you're going to draft Will Levis here, you might as well just stay with Malik Willis and try to figure right. out, and hopefully yeah. year two, he you know, he starts to understand some things and, and gets it going. You know,
2: Keith, I remember that vividly when they traded away A.J. Brown in the first round last year. And that clip of Mike Vrabel not being able to hide his frustration with, with, with what was going on there. And I think he clearly won that power struggle. So to me, when I think about the Titans and how they're structured, I think it's clearly that he won the power struggle. And he's the top of the pyramid. And Mike Vrabel's in charge and not so much a GM first approach to the team building now which tells me they're always going to try to be in it which tells me they're probably not looking ahead as much and i gotta believe offensive line is is the way to go here for the titans and the pick is actually in so let's go to tyler roland with pick 11 in the 2023 locked on nfl mock draft In the locked on Titans war room.
0: With the 11th pick in the 2023 locked on mock draft, the Tennessee Titans select Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle out of Ohio State. This is a perfect matchup of need and prospect. The Titans need a left tackle of the future despite a free agent signing of Andre Dillard. That should not affect the Titans draft plans whatsoever. The Titans can solidify the left tackle position for the next eight to 10 years with Paris Johnson Jr., who not only is a fantastic prospect, but fits perfectly within the Titans' current offensive scheme. Paris Johnson Jr. has the body of an offensive lineman, but has the feet and mobility of a skill position player. He is fantastic at getting on the move getting to the second level and in pass protection has an incredible ability to recover even if he is beat by the initial move. With that, Paris Johnson Jr. could use a little bit more strength in his core to deal with bull rushes and having a good anchor and pass protection, but that's something that can develop over time. This is a great pick for the Titans to get their left tackle of the future out of this draft.
2: So, Paris Johnson, Jr., the offensive tackle from Ohio State University, guys. And, you know, one of the things I thought about this offseason with the way they're building things in Tennessee with Andre Dillard being added, Daniel Brunskill, they seem to be getting lighter and quicker on the offensive line. Is there, are they maybe looking ahead at life after Derrick Henry with the way they're building this offensive line, Keith?
4: They have to be, right? Because Paris Johnson's film is, is more of getting in the way of people in the run game, right? You're talking about a backside zone blocker, can cut things off. He's not a people mover. So when I, when I see this selection from the Tennessee Titans, I'm thinking, hey, they decided to protect the quarterback, right? Like they went after the offense lineman that can protect the quarterback, but they're going to give up some things in the run game, the ability to move people off the line of scrimmage.
2: Matt? Do, do we think Derrick Henry lasts through the first round without getting traded? Or do you think this is just um, we're going to run him into the ground and then we'll see
3: what happens next? I don't think he lasts past the trade deadline during the season. You know, we, we know running backs across the league are going to get hurt. It's got to be hard to trade a running back right now. Maybe it's, you know, like your team, a McCaffrey-type move You know, during the season. Go get Derrick Henry for the stretcher on if you're the Bills or the Chiefs or a team like that.
2: Right, like the t- Titans will be competitive. They won't throw in the towel unless their season starts out a certain way. We might see more Malik Willis. We might see a Derrick Henry trade, and then they get as much uh, resources to retool quicker in the following offseason as well, unless maybe they're in and this is a division that they could still be in absolutely with this team and the way Mike Bramble coaches this thing and with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback.
3: So we'll see a lot of directions the Titans uh, 2023 could go. And I do think we'll see Willis because I don't think the season will go well. I mean, come December, maybe November, you get six, eight games, something like that of Willis to have fairly evaluate the young man.
2: Jay Stevens, the host of Locked on Buckeyes, standing by to give us more info on Paris Johnson
5: Jr.
1: Paris Johnson Jr., offensive lineman, Ohio State. The 2022 Consensus All-American has the height, the length, and the footwork to make him one of the best offensive linemen in this year's NFL Draft. What's up, guys? My name is Jay Stevens, the host of Locked On Buckeyes, and Paris Johnson Jr. is the kind of versatile player you want on your offensive line. He spent time excelling while being a starter at both guard and tackle for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He has the athletic talent to make recoveries at a variety of angles. His feet are fluid and they're perfect for dealing with different type of defensive ends in the National Football League. He has decent timing and consistency while working to the second level on combo blocks. This young man, once you add his brain into the equation, he's the kind of guy that has a skill set and the brains to be a consistent starter at the next level.
2: So we do have an offensive lineman now off the board, the first one of the 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft. That is Paris Johnson Jr., 11 to the Tennessee Titans. We have Damian Parsons standing by in the Locked On NFL Draft war room to break down this prospect further.
6: The Tennessee Titans have a need at left tackle and they fill it with Ohio State's Paris Johnson Jr. When I look at Paris Johnson, you see height, weight, athleticism, an incredible athlete, you know, nimble on his feet, you know, dancing bare as the, the experts would say, but he has great arm length as well. This young man has to continue to develop in terms of uh, overall hand technique and adding more, more power to his game, but with an offense like Tennessee that uses a lot of wide zone rushing uh, angles and blocking schemes, this fits well for him as he continues to grow into his body as a grown man. This young man has the movement skills, the arm length, the athleticism, everything to be a book and tackle in the NFL. Like I said, it's some things you got to work on, but I absolutely love this young man's potential and this is a need for the Tennessee Titans.
2: Keith, I have one more question as it pertains to Paris Johnson, the, the prospect. And, and I believe in earlier episodes you said Broderick Jones was your number one offensive tackle. And I just want to ask again how close those two are for you and uh, how ready is Paris Johnson to play right now versus what maybe his upside could be?
4: Yeah, it's it's hard to compare the guys because I think that they're p- kind of polar opposite players, right? Of what they provide in the sense. I like I said, I think Paris and and you use this word for offensive lineman, and I hope that I don't put a negative connotation, but he's more finesse, right? Like this is the guy with the extreme feet. He's light on his feet. He's smooth. He's just your ultimate. Like if you're drawing up a guy to protect your backside of your quarterback, you draw up somebody with that type of athleticism. So I think more than comparing them, is more of an apples and oranges stylistically for what they provide for you as an offensive lineman. All
2: right, we got the 12th pick in the draft, the second selection for the Tennessee Titans up. Now Cody Davis standing by there to make that pick for locked on Texans. One offensive lineman on the board. We've still got a quarterback, the... Uh, the, the Texans already took a quarterback at number two in C.J. Stroud, so they're not going Will Levis at 12. Matt, what are now the needs for the Texans at 12? But which, which way do you see them going here in this NFL draft with the way the board is stacking up?
3: Yeah, if I had the Texans pick here, I might be shopping it to move down a little bit. And my logic for that is you could take one of these offensive linemen. And Skoronsky, as we've talked about often, could pretty much play anywhere on the line, and that would be appealing But their O-line's not in terrible shape right now. They drafted a guard in the first round. Shaq Mason they traded for. They extended Tunsil. I don't see a skill guy here to build around with Young that's worth the 12th pick. I would probably then lean towards best defensive player available and the way that they're structured in a Niner-like fashion. Maybe that's Miles Murphy. Uh, Maybe you take a corner like Porter Jr. to put him off as at Stingley. But I would be fielding offers right now.
2: Keith, yeah, do you no, like anybody up front for the for the Texans here, especially on the defense? Like, uh, I don't know. You, you don't always build your team in the exact image of the team you came from, but you got to believe that D'Amico Ryan's likes having dudes up front on his defensive line.
4: Yeah, and I think if we're talking about defensive line in particular, a guy that's been fairly under, underrated or undervalued this entire draft process is Clemson edge defender Miles Murphy. Um, this is a guy we we continually talk about guys like Lucas Van Ness and Tyree Wilson, who we seen go early in his draft. But Miles Murphy has the proven production as a pass rusher, right? He's a guy that can get from point A to point B consistently. You've seen athletic testing from his pro day. I think with him, it was more of an out of sight, out of a mind type situation. But the Miko My- Ryan's he comes from the Forty Nine. Right, they run their four three scheme. I think Miles Murphy is a perfect hand in the ground guy. Get after the quarterback. So if they don't address the offensive line, I don't know if I go a skill position here. They might as well try to find a defensive pillar in a guy like Miles Murphy. Keith, Mur- it sounds
3: Keith. like you're with me, and you'd like Murphy more than Van Ness. I do. I do. I, yeah, do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, the, with the testing numbers too for Miles Murphy. With you know, we're running in high four fives with his height and weight, and, and I know there's probably some work to do there, but there's just not that many humans on the planet that are that athletic and can move like he can, and you know, he put up some production as well at Clemson, so that, that's why I think there's a good chance that a lot of these, um, you know, defensive linemen, you know, you got... Uh, You've got Nolan Smith running four threes coming off the edge. You've got Van Essie, who worked out like crazy and has a ton of power in his pass rush. And Miles Murphy, while they're not perfect prospects, um, their skill sets are still very hard to find. So I won't be shocked as high as any of those guys go. And uh, we'll find out who the Texans select. Real quick, BP,
3: Nolan Smith wouldn't be a bad choice here either.
2: Uh, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Go get the other team's quarterback. You got your quarterback. If you're not protecting your quarterback or getting a pass catcher or a playmaker to help your quarterback, then go get the other team's quarterback here. So that's what I'm looking at here for the Houston Texans, building this thing at number 12. And I'm getting a message here that the pick is in. Cody Davis ready to make the pick for
7: Locked On Texans at 12. And with the 12th pick of the Locked On NFL mock draft, the Houston Texans select Quentin Johnston, wide receiver from t See you. I'm Cody Davis, one half of Locked On Texans once again, and with our first overall pick, we decided to go with a quarterback, C.J. Stroud. And one of the best things you can do to make sure your rookie quarterback is in the best situation as possible is to improve your wide receiving core. And what better way for the Houston Texans to improve their wide receiving core than to go out and draft one of the top wide receivers in this year's draft? Quentin Johnston is a big body wide receiver. So he's definitely going to have a huge impact on improving the Houston Texans red zone struggles. And not only that, I personally do believe that Quentin Johnston has the capabilities to be this team's number one wide receiver, probably as early as training camp. One of the things that stood out to me guys
2: with the introductory press conference for D'Amico Ryan's was he talked about getting playmakers and guys that are good with the ball in their hands. And, uh, when you think about the 49ers and, and we just talked so much about offensive line and defensive line and of course quarterback, but it's one of the first things D'Amico Ryan's brought up was playmakers on offense. And that's the way Cody went here with, uh, you know, and he's not may, maybe the best run after catch guy. He's not a Debo Samuel or a Christian McCaffrey or anything like that, but uh, he's a playmaker. He's after the catch
3: up, BP. You get it, him, get him rolling. He's hard to bring down. He, he is effort. Yeah. He's a really yeah, interesting
2: yeah. prospect, Keith. And I think you like him more than, than most too. the wide receiver out of TCU.
4: Yeah, I, I think with 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 Quentin Johnston, right? It's kind of a we're we're He's guilty of being in the Big 12, right? And, and all of the misses that came out of the Big 12, when you talk about, you know, Josh Gordon's, and you talk about Corey Coleman's, and, you know, you talk about Kevin White, and we could continue, right? And I think everybody's kind of scared to jump on the Quentin Johnston train. And listen, when we're talking about the wide receiver prospect, are there things he needs to improve? Yes, but there's more than enough that I see that I can work with that if you're talking about betting on the upside of a football player, like like Matt said, right? Like, he can, like, for a 6'2", 200-plus pound guy... Like his short area quickness, I would border on rare. Like this is a quick twitch guy. and Usually you don't see that from long legged, um, you know, 6'2 plus wide receiver. So the potential is there. I think at very worst, he's a strong number two, right? And you may have to trade for a number one if you feel that type of way. But I think this is a guy that can definitely contribute on um, for our offense.
8: Matt,
2: I you mean, like the, the combination of these receivers they've put together now, and you got Mechie coming back, and you know reports are that he's 100 percent healthy now coming into his second off season. Didn't get a have a, didn't get a chance at a rookie season, and then you match him with with Quentin Johnston. Do you like the way that those weapons are are being put together? And of course, Damian Pierce last year at running back they found his rookie.
3: Yeah, it's coming together. I mean, it's better than it's been. That's for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's creeping up the average. You know, I mean, so I mean, that's about as nice as I could say about it. I have mixed feelings about this pick because there's a ton there to work with. He's unlike basically any of the receivers in this draft. If you want a big-body guy, you have to probably overpay a little. But I do think it's a little bit of an overpay. I mean, Johnston, to me, is probably the 22nd best prospect in the draft, not the 12th. But I said it in the first show, I always want to get greedy with receivers for young quarterbacks. And if that means a little overpay, I understand it. And, hey, I hope Mechie's in fantastic shape but I don't know that you can count on Mechie and Robert Woods to be 17 game starters for you you know
4: yeah I agree I had this question too for you Matt when you think about the rest of this wide receiver class and you mentioned Quentin Johnston being a big body guy with it I guess kind of make you want to stretch like stretch and go after Quentin Johnston because he is one of the probably three receivers that's over six foot that we talk about in this draft
3: yeah, I'm glad you, it's funny you brought the other three up because I was about to say Mingo and Tillman are probably going to go pretty high, too. And people might not realize that they're day two guys. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a smurf group of receivers and not every team's going to be in that market. So if you want one of those three, you'll probably have to pay a little more than you should.
2: It's got to be the first class I can ever remember where the corners are bigger than the receivers. It's yeah, it's close. <laughs> and so many outliers. Teams are going to have to take some of these outliers if they want the best players in the draft. So uh, we've seen a few of those, and, and that's one of the things here, Matt. You mentioned it. With if you don't want an outlier size wise, then you have to maybe pay a little bit more for someone like Quentin Johnston, uh, higher than than some people think, and. When it comes to wide receiver, I think we also have to alter the way we've looked at wide receivers historically, that it's much more of a premier position, and that's the way it's seen around the league. You know, you're starting to put it up there with, you know, corners, maybe even past corners and and closer to the offensive tackles and the, you know, the defensive linemen of the world with wide receivers because of how much they're getting paid and how much your teams are paying for them and how many teams are trying to go get better playmakers on the outside.
3: Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, this past free agency class didn't reflect it because it was so poor. But going and shopping on the wide receiver market in free agency is a very expensive aisle in the grocery store that you want to stay out of. So draft them.
2: Right. And if the Texans wanted to go get somebody else's wide receiver one, they'd have to give up
3: 12 anyway. So, yeah, right. 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 You don't have zero with five years cost control. You know, right.
2: Steven Simcox is the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. He's got more insight into Quentin Johnston, wide receiver at Pick 12.
9: Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. He led the Horn Frogs in receiving yards in all three seasons when he was on campus at Fort Worth. Now he's ready to uh, hit the road and get in the NFL. I'm Stephen Simcox, the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. When it comes to Quentin, the special thing about him, that great size, he's 6'2, 215 pounds but it's his ability to make plays after the catch. Had uh, 8.9 yards after the catch last season. They loved to run stop routes, curl routes with him, and he could use that big frame and that speed. He's got those long strides with that huge body um, to get past defenders and make things happen. Also really good at going up and making contested catches. Had over 1,000 yards this past season in Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes' offense and led TCU to a national championship game appearance. Um, dealt with a, a tough ankle injury and fought through that pain the second half of the season and still made plays. So Quentin Johnston is the pick at pick 12 for the Houston
2: Texans. Uh, I want to hear more about the scouting report and the fit for Houston with the wide receiver here from Damian Parson. Keith's better half of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.
6: The Houston Texans give CJ Stroud a big athletic weapon at the wide receiver position with selecting Quentin Johnston, wide receiver out of TCU. He's my wide receiver one right now. He has the highest ceiling of all the receivers in this class. Over 40 inches in the vertical. He's a 4-4 guy on tape, maybe a little faster. When you look at what he has in his bag, the ability to attack the ball at the highest point, out jump guys to be able to play above the rim, but he's quick twitch for a big body receiver. And when you think about what he brings in terms of the yards after the catch, it can be special for a 200 plus pound 6'2 type of receiver. So I think he has the potential to be a wide receiver one in the NFL offense. CJ Stroud gets another big guy that he's used the throwing to the back shoulder phase, the body control Quentin Johnson to the Houston, Texans. I like it a lot. All right.
2: So clearly, I mean, locked on NFL draft podcast, yeah. Damian and Keith, you guys are, you guys are pro you guys are team Quentin Johnston here. Do you see the, the run after catch, uh, translating to the NFL level? And because when you see the, the, the size of Quentin Johnson, you think, ah, linear downfield sort of a player, but is he a complete wide receiver?
4: Yeah, I think the only question is, right, everybody talks about with him being a big body wide receiver is how many times are you going to play above the rim, right? How many times are you going to go over defenders and basically take the football from them? But, man, the athletic profile checks out. Like, I, I'm, there's sometimes when you get these 40 times back, right, and you're surprised. And I was surprised in other way that I thought this was a, for sure a 4-4 guy. It's not too many times I've seen people catch him on film. So I'm going to rely on the film and say that, hey, this guy has enough game speed. Uh, you know, to make things happen, and like we talked about earlier, the short area of quickness. You watch the games against Kansas, right? Just him being a Big Twelve. This guy makes defenders miss just on quick screens. He can he can
3: get up the field, vertical, um, and, and get a great run after catch yardage. My only concern with him is the ball skills and the drops more than anything, and I just don't think he plays above the rim as much as somebody with his dimensions should. You know, and some of that's just not his game. He's more of a Hit him in stride, you know, get get him moving, get the, get that big body rolling and make people miss or you know, run him over, that type of thing. I wish he played bigger and I wish he had a little bit shorter hands.
4: Matt, I, I want to ask you a question just with your experience in NFL scouting. I want to ask you two things. Uh, one, about an A.J. Green comp. And if it's mm-hmm. not A.J. Green, who do you have as a comp? Because I, I think mm-hmm. everybody is struggling to pinpoint who this guy will be in the NFL, right? And it's it's – I know we're critiquing, right? And that's what's supposed right, to be. Right. We point out the flaws and scouting. But it's like, are we over critiquing, or are we, you know, have we seen this before? Or Is this something different?
3: Put me on the spot with a comp. It's not AJ Green. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, if it was AJ Green, he would have gone the third pick in the draft. You know, I mean, I don't think he has that kind of body control, that kind of mismatch capability. I originally thought he's a Mike Evans type, but I think that's a little kind too. Evans is probably going to the Hall of Fame. I think if you worry about him, and this is going to sound mean, it doesn't mean to be, is Chase Claypool. I mean, Claypool was a great tester, you know, get him in space, but doesn't play to his size. So somewhere between a Claypool and an Evans. Well, you definitely scared the people with Chase Claypool. I know. I my her background, but I'm pretty happy to have a 30-second pick instead of Chase Claypool right now.
4: All right, we're going to the AFC
2: East next, guys. Pick 13. New York Jets are now on the clock in the 2023 Locked on NFL mock draft special. And after that, we've got the New England Patriots hanging out, waiting to make their pick at 14. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're all back. And there's no better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. And not only Major League Baseball every day all summer long, but we've got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and, of course, the NFL. I know it's not in NFL season, but NFL Futures, who the next MVP, Coach of the Year, uh, who will win the next Super Bowl, and, of course, those tasty NFL draft props at FanDuel Sportsbook. So don't miss out and don't miss your chance to get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Fanduel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The New York Jets now on the clock at pick 13. And, guys, there's been so much conversation with the New York Jets this offseason, namely because Aaron Rodgers uh, is still not a New York Jet. Will he become a New York Jet on draft night? Will this pick go to Green Bay? And I know there's some conversations behind the scenes. So, Matt, are you giving up pick 13 to the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers? Or do you stay in pick and try to make this uh, negotiation even more difficult into the second day of the draft?
3: I think the Jets inevitably make this pick. And with the intentions of Rodgers is our quarterback. He's not in town yet. Who knows when that happens? Maybe during the draft, after the draft. They do have two second-round picks that would be attractive to Green Bay. Maybe the Packers want to see who's on the board. But I think the Jets make this selection with the thought of Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. And therefore, I think it's an offensive player and probably one of these offensive linemen. I, I mean, I don't know what you do with Makai Becton at this stage of his career. Vera Tucker is a really good guard but can also play tackle. Maybe you just take Skoronsky and he fills in your gaps, or you take Broderick Jones and say Makai Becton's on the trade block or he's moving to the right side. So yeah, I, I think with two of these linemen on the board, you're pretty happy if it's the Jets.
4: Yeah, if if I'm the New York Jets, there is no way that I'm trading this this first-round pick. Um, From everything with Aaron Rodgers, you don't know if he's going to play one year, two years. You don't know if he's going to be all-in or not, right? And then if he's only playing a year or two, you need as much premium, um, you know, potential as far as talent to add to your roster to try to win a, a, a Super Bowl because this Jets team played better, right? But I don't think anybody's going to grade this roster as a, a top five roster in the NFL. So you, there's still improvements that need to be made upon this roster and you do that with premium picks like first round picks. Now they made the trade where they traded Elijah Moore. They recouped a, a second round pick for that. I think if anything, you maybe turn that right into Aaron Rodgers. And if you're able to turn Elijah Moore into Aaron Rodgers, then that sounds much better than you first-round
2: Yeah, and I can't fault the the Packers for asking for pick thirteen, but that's the last bit of negotiation for the Jets to use the pick and say, well, now that pick's gone, so <laughs> guess what? We got a couple seconds. Maybe that can work for you because these picks are going to get spent the next day if you don't if you don't take those in this trade. So uh, that said, Keith, who do you
3: like for the Jets here at, at thirteen? If they keep- real, real quick, BP, and we've talked about this on our show a lot too. It, it, it seems like the compensation might have to be something conditional next year you know as Keith mentioned if Rogers plays two years then you get your first round pick in 2025 or whatever like give them give them a second or two seconds this year and a conditional pick based on him starting next year or something along those lines.
4: Yeah, I, I really like that, Matt. I like the the future first round pick, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's like let's you know when when Aaron Rodgers already off the books, he's done playing. Then I'll give you a first round pick, right? But I need to be if I'm going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, I need to be all in at the moment
3: for improving my team to get yeah. Aaron Rodgers to the Super Bowl. And I ne- I need to know I'm at least getting two years out of the guy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> the Jets have go just host host Jeopardy app the year, you
2: know? <laughs> the Jets have just seen how this all went down with Aaron Rodgers in green Bay every offseason. They're like, we'll we're, we're probably right. go through this too. We're not going to give you a first round pick just to go through this again next offseason. season, not know if he's going to retire or not. So yeah, you can't give up a first round pick this year at pick 13, where you already know where the pick is. And you know, maybe that future pick ends up being a later first round and conditions make sense. Apparently the Packers don't want conditions with their picks. We'll see. if This is the next domino in that negotiation though. When, the Jets make their selection, and that pick is in. John Butchko of Locked On Jets, ready to go at pick 13.
10: With the 13th pick in the draft, the New York Jets select Peter Skoronsky, tackle out of Northwestern. I'm John from the Locked On Jets podcast, and the Jets need to fix their offensive line. The tackle position in particular has a lot of question marks. You've got 38-year-old Dwayne Brown, who battled through injuries last season, played effectively, but is nearing the end of his career. You have Makai Becton, who has played a grand total of three quarters of one regular season game in the last two years. You also have Max Mitchell, a mid-round pick who got some experience last season as a rookie, but whose play was really inconsistent. And with a soon-to-be 40-year-old quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, the Jets need to need to put a good line in front of him. The Jets need to protect Rodgers. That's where Skaronsky comes in. He is as plug-and-play of a prospect as exists in this year's draft. He'll help stabilize the offensive line and give Aaron Rodgers the protection he needs.
2: You know, guys, the more I think about it, John laying it out there in, in what you mentioned before as well, Matt, about just... It's Sort of a glue guy for the offensive line. Guy mm-hmm. Beckton, he's in the best shape of his life. Saw some photos of him working out in the offseasons, looking good. Can he, you know, can he stay healthy? Can he be that left tackle? Can he be the right tackle? How's how everyone going to fit in? And you just draft the best player in Skronsky who you know can play guard for sure. But if you need him to play left tackle, he can do that too. Like, hey, Keith, do you have any misgivings about a, a 32 and an eighth inch arm length? left tackle in the NFL? Because there's not very many of them. And in fact, I think there's zero of them right now. I think
4: there's zero, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely shows at times, right? But I'm, I'm finding the value in Skarowski in the positional versatility. And I think this is a really good fit for the Jets because the question mark is still surrounded around Makai Beckton, right? Like, is this guy going to play left tackle? Is he going to play right tackle? Is he going to play three games? He's going to play eight games, right? And so now you draft a guy like Skarowski who has versatility to where whatever happens with Makai Beckton, he can just fill that other situation. Right. If Makai is there, then he can play guard. If Makai is not there, he can kick the tackle and play some tackle for you. And they still have picks. Like we said, they have two second round picks. So if you want to go after one of these tackles later in the draft, like a Matthew round from Syracuse, you can still plug and play certain things like that. So I think this just gives them the most versatility. We drafted a high flow football player that we know will start, will contribute to our offensive line.
3: And I like Roderick Jones a ton as well, but Skoronsky's yeah. more win now, plug and play. We only would have a short window with Rodgers. We're all in, you know?
2: You know, we saw with, with Tom Brady too. You got a guy in his 40s, protect the guy. He doesn't want oh, to yeah. hit a lot, and it's probably the smart way to go. And You know, protect that investment and let your quarterback lead you to where the Jets have wanted to go for a very, very long time. So uh, college expert Jimmy Stein is standing by to give us some more info on Peter Skoronsky, the offensive lineman. We don't know if he's a tackle or a guard, but we just know he's one of the best players in this draft. Let's
11: talk about Peter Skoronsky, a tackle from Northwestern. Uh, this is Jimmy Stein from Locked On, Bama. There's something interesting about Peter. Even though he's a tackle at Northwestern, projected to be a tackle in the NFL he has shorter arms, even much shorter arms than a traditional or prototypical tackle. Some people think he may eventually slide inside to guard. I think that's why you'll see him drafted outside of the top five, probably taken somewhere between eight and 12, eight and 15. I would even look for maybe his hometown Chicago Bears, uh, to, to take Peter, uh, great in the run game at his best as a pass blocker, did not give up a sack this past season.
2: For more information on Peter Skoronsky, Northwestern offensive lineman, Damian Parson, with some information on the fit and the player that is the, n- the newest New York Jet.
6: The New York Jets add more offensive line help with Peter Skoronsky out of Northwestern. Makai Becton has been a question mark in terms of his health. We don't know what's going to happen there. But for me, I do have some res- reservations about this pick because I view Skaronsky as a guard. Now, I do say you play him as a tackle, but if your tackle situation is okay, and, and yeah, you could kick him in, and kick him inside a guard, but if you, you really want to play him at tackle, I have some concerns with the arm length, the ability to handle power and speed to power conversions. He's a guard to me, guys. So for me, I, I'm not saying I'm out on the pick. I think it fits especially for the scheme that they want to run, to run the ball, get the play-action game going as well. But I do have some reservations about the selection overall. He's a good player, movement skills, uh, technically refined the best technician in this class. But again, I have some concerns.
2: You know, it's funny, to the layperson that doesn't follow the NFL draft closely, and is probably thinking, what are you talking about? This guy must have T-Rex arms, but you know, like 32-inch <laughs> arms are long for a human being. Someone's probably at home going, well, my arms are, aren't even close to 32 inches long. We do this with quarterbacks as well, like nine-inch hands. Nine-inch hands are big, but for an NFL quarterback, you want to be even bigger to that. So it's really funny um, that the small details, it's like you throw out the rest and you just focus so much on this one thing like arm length. But Keith, like this dude can just flat out play.
4: Yeah, and I, that, that, that's what I say, right? You're just drafting a football player that you know is going to contribute. And sometimes that, that's the that's the best way to go, right? Because these first-round picks, 50% hit, 50% don't, right? So you, sometimes it's all about mitigating risk. And I think this is a low-risk football player. You know exactly what you're getting on a film. And, and sometimes when you watch the film and you say, you know what, this is a clean evaluation and you know exactly what you're getting on film, that's what you want as a talent evaluator. That's what you want as a GM, just to know exactly what you're getting and what you're going to be able to insert into your roster.
2: And, and Matt, it's, it's funny because you can trust that your offensive lineman is going to take care of the job that they have to do. One of the things that blew me away watching Skaronsky play on tape is just his ability to turn defensive lineman. And he's like It's just like he's driving yeah. a car. He's like, hey, guess what, guys? We're going right. And he just turns their shoulders and opens that gate. And it's like, wow, it's like the technician and how good he is at doing those things. And I would love to see him get a shot at tackle, and I don't know if he's going to in the NFL.
3: Yeah, I think it depends on the landing spot. But how I would handle it in a vacuum is, hey, Peter, you're our left tackle until you, we find somebody better or you've proved that you can't handle it. And I know this is a really rich comparison, but maybe he's a Zach Martin type convert or, you know, I mean, uh, we see a lot of these tackles bump into guard. You know, Brandon Schreff, a guy like that, that. You know, as a guard or tackle in college and ends up being a pro bowler at the next level. So uh, as mentioned, I just think there's so many spots on a line he can help you that I would be shocked if he doesn't have a good career or
4: Yeah, and that's to my point, Matt, and I'm I'm all with you, right? Like, I don't think that was a far stretch of a comp. I think this is a guy that can be a pro bowler as an interior offensive line, and you tell the Dallas Cowboys that they picked Zach Martin too high now, right? You tell the Indianapolis Colts they took Quentin Nelson too high. Like, if you'd still get drafting pro bowlers in the first round, you're doing A-OK as a franchise.
12: I'm Joe Marino. He's Kyle Krabs. We're from the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the draft dudes and we got some picks here as so now we're outside of the top 10. We get a little offensive line run. Quentin Johnston goes to the Houston Texans at number 12, the second wide receiver off the board. Kyle, your thoughts on either these offensive linemen starting to come off or, you know, Quentin Johnson being this early of a pick. Yeah. Well, I I like the, the offensive line selections and I like
5: it for both teams. Uh, I do. I, I am very interested to see how the Titans offensive line ends up shaking out. They have another Ohio state offensive tackle from last year on day two and Nicholas Petit Freer who stepped in at right tackle for them down the stretch in 2022 Uh, Paris Johnson now coming into the fray they gave Andre Dillard like 9.3 million dollars per season in free agency so that offensive line and that identity for the Titans was something that you really felt like whittled away down the stretch for Tennessee over the last year or so and there's a nice infusion of new talent there, but I'm fascinated to see what the combination of best five looks like. Is it Dillard at guard? Is it Paris Johnson who played at guard in 2021 for the Buckeyes? Is he playing inside? What's the what's the pecking order? Is Nicholas Petit-Ferrer just going to get bumped out? Uh, I think the value is good, though. I thought he was the most complete offensive tackle in this class uh, and then I like the the fit for Skoronsky with the positional flexibility when you consider what the Jets have and don't have and how Elijah Vera Tucker's moved around. And they kind of have Mikay Becton, but we don't know how many eggs we want to put in that basket. And we're paying Lake and Tomlinson at the other guard spot. So uh, I, I think positional flexibility for the two offensive linemen spots who came off the board first is the name of the game. And it's why I really like both of those picks.
12: I'm a little confused by Quinton Johnson coming off the board so high to the Houston Texans here at number 12. Certainly recognize the need at wide receiver, and I understand the appeal. I mean, Quinton Johnson coming from TCU, probably his best skill is run after the catch. Bobby Slowick, a Kyle Shanahan disciple, coming over to Houston to run this offense. You could see how there's a, a good fit there, but I just have so many questions about Quinton Johnson, whether it's the build-up speed where I don't see ex- explosiveness right away. It's more gradual to me. I don't see a a big physical receiver in terms of a 6'2 guy that's a a consistent ball winner, right? He's a guy that I have questions about his hands. I have have questions about his ability to win in traffic and in contested situations. And if I'm drafting a big-bodied receiver, I'd like to have those skills and not really have any questions about it. A big adjustment is heading his way with uh, route running and, and just a lot more being on his plate in the NFL compared to what he was asked to do at TCU. So there's some exciting physical attributes of Quentin Johnston. I just don't know if he's a complete enough receiver for me to be thinking about this high in the draft, obviously a big need for, for Houston. They, they got their quarterback early. They're start, starting to try to build around him. I just don't know if this would be the direction I would personally go at wide receiver.
5: Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of teased when the pick was Stroud that you had an opportunity with later draft capital, I just wonder about the opportunity cost because you think about what they have in the pass rush room on the other side of the ball. And there's some really good pass rushers that are still left on the board here in the top 15, right? And you ask yourself, okay, would a day two wide receiver and potentially a top 15 pass rusher have been a better or more immediate return where I think Quentin Johnson is a player who's going to need a little bit of time to develop because of the route running tree at TCU wasn't the most robust and i agree with you on the physical skill set there's a lot to like but i think they're playing the long game with the selection of quentin johnson you're just gonna have to play the waiting game and see how it turns out
2: i want to check in on peter bukowski in the locked on war room because um he's he's been taking it from all angles he's been trying to move up in the draft been thwarted there trying to get picks for aaron Rodgers, uh been thwarted there And last year, when the Packers refused to draft a wide receiver, we saw Peter Bukowski have a full-on meltdown this year with Aaron Rodgers still on the roster and the Jets not trading for him with pick 13. Peter, kind of in that same spiral over there in the locked-on war room.
10: Wait, 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 Uh, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. wait,
2: wait. (laughs) Yes, Peter?
12: (laughs) Number one, that is exactly who I would have picked if I would have gotten this pick.
11: Number two, I, it didn't even give me a chance to counter. I, I had I had pick swaps and all kinds of stuff ready to go. Well, he got. I was say, don't they have
9: to give up thirteen if they're going to get Rogers? I just no. can't see a Obviously trade. You don't think so? Yeah,
13: yes. no. it would have
14: been done by now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Maybe that is what they're bullish on. Yeah, but with Skaronski, if his arms were two inches longer, he'd be a top five pick in this draft. But I mean, they're
12: not. So good. Watch the date. The guy gets outreached over and over again. He's a guard all day long, a good guard, but he's not a tackle.
8: Ross, I told you this was turning into OnlyFans.
2: Man, yeah, like the the, the locked off war room only wants body beautiful players. They want the skinny guys. They want the fast guys. They want you to look good in underwear. And and Matt, we talked about this uh, on Peacock and Williamson all the time. Like they're not selling
3: jeans, right? No, right. I mean, but as I think it was Kyle that mentioned, he does get outreached, and it's only going to get harder at the next level as well. All all the. Velociraptors. he's going to have to try to block at the next level. Everyone has D lineman with length and explosion, and it's only going to get harder. So I do think he's a guard. Um, in a pinch, he's a tackle, and there's a misconception out there. There really aren't 64 prototypical offensive tackles on the planet right now, but every Sunday, 64 of them go out there and play tackle.
2: That's a great point. I love that. Uh, next, we've got the the New England Patriots at pick fourteen. Mike debate standing by in the Locked On Patriots War Room, getting ready to make this selection. Uh, what do we think about the New England Patriots roster? It's a it's a team that has plenty of holes. A lot of directions. <laughs> you go best player available, uh, Keith. Is there a player that you like that's the best guy that's still out there?
4: The, the Patriots are head scratching me, man, because Bill okay. Belichick has. Consistently march to the beat of his own drum, right? So you don't. He can very well just go interior defensive lineman here somewhere off the beaten path. Um, last year we were surprised by Cole Strange, right? And everybody probably had like a second, third round grade on. So I'm 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 projecting him to possibly go offensive line, maybe a Broderick Jones or something. Uh, just because the tackle situation, I think one of the tackles that they have, uh, they plan on moving off of him after this year. So maybe they go offensive line, but then you think about Mac Jones, we have no idea. We've heard a bunch of rumors this entire time about the disruption between him and Bill Belichick and what happened last year so are they going to go a wide receiver to help him out because I'll be honest the, the Tyquan Thornton situation I didn't think Tyquan Thornton should have been a second round pick and it didn't show much last year so if they're going to develop Mac Jones and he's going to be content and happen some way they have to try to get him a wide receiver that is capable of being a, a number one guy.
2: Interesting. I didn't think about the quarterback angle as well, potentially. that That's a sneaky pick here. Of course, Bill Belichick always willing to move down in the NFL draft as well. What do you like here for the Pats, man?
3: Roger Jones leaps off the page as you know one of the top prospects that's still available. That's the best value that meets a need. Um, that being said, I hope they're not done at wide receiver. I'm not really fond of this roster overall. I, I bet they like Joey Porter Jr. They like big press man coverage corners. They they believe those guys on islands a fair amount. And a sleeper that I bet Belichick adores is Brian Branch from Alabama. With his Saban connection, all the little things Branch does, I mean, he'd be a welcome addition on any team, but he's a safer pick as you're going to get too.
4: Yeah, yeah. fantastic okay. tape for Branch. This, this Patriots team, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Matt, that it's it's kind of built old, right? In the sense of the fact of if this was 1995, right, and it was yeah. defense and run game, but there's no explosive playmakers that you can consistently rely on. Like I know they brought in Devontae Parker last year, which is a head scratch for me, because you play against Devontae Parker twice a year every single year, and his production was minimal, so to bring him over and think that he's going to just put on a Patriot uniform and immediately be this Pro Bowl-level football player, I, I thought was um, insane to kind of bank on, so I I agree with you. They just need to add playmakers or they need to add to this offensive line.
2: And I don't blame Mac Jones for not liking the situation he was put in like, no. was on offense and the playmakers he has to throw the ball to. So uh, I'd be kind of upset there. And if, if they wanted to trade me maybe to a better situation, uh, I wouldn't be too upset, I guess, if I was Mac Jones. And it's odd to think that the Patriots might not be the best situation for the quarterback. But, man, the way that they have drafted recently and, um, you know, some Will Levis is still on the board. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it here for the Pats to go. Will Levis, if they truly are done with Mac Jones,
4: then there's tons of trade opportunities for Mac Jones as well. It, that might scare me because I, I view Will Levis as a uh, analysis by paralysis. I have to go. I just think he overthinks stuff. And you put him in his Patriots offense. That's that's based off of thinking. Like it, it can get scary. It can get real scary. Well, let's
2: find out who the pick is at 14. Mike DeBate ready to go. The host of Locked On Patriots with the selection at 14 in the 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft.
13: With the 14th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the New England Patriots selected... Georgia tackle Broderick Jones, and he fills a huge void for the New England Patriots at the tackle position. A little bit of an interesting fit for New England. Typically, the Patriots like their linemen a little bit more seasoned. Don't forget, the Georgia Bulldog only has 19 games worth of experience at the position. However, there is tremendous physical upside and athleticism that could make him a future all-pro at the position. Great size measuring in at just over 6'4", 310 pounds, posting a one .97 second 10-yard split at the combine to block on the move or in space. It solidifies their ability to be able to block for whoever is playing quarterback. Skill position players are unquestionably going to get the headlines. The games are one in the trenches, and it's not going to matter who's throwing passes or who's catching them if the quarterback is not getting the protection they need. That quarterback will get that protection with Broderick Jones anchoring that offensive line. For more on the Wingland Patriots, please be sure to stay locked into the Locked On Patriots podcast, proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
2: day. All right, Broderick Jones. So the offensive lineman flying off the board here in episode three of the mock draft. Broderick Jones out of Georgia to the New England Patriots. I love the pick. Uh, I really like the player a lot. I like the upside there and and the potential of what Broderick Jones could be both as a run blocker and a pass blocker and uh, and just his athletic ability. And if you like long arms, he's got those too. And I also am starting to see a point in the draft, guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably – 15 to 18, you know, quote unquote, first round, clean first round prospects in this draft. And at some point, I think these teams in this area are going to have to start throwing need out the window and just going with the best player available because there might be a drop off in talent when you get to the the end of the second round or the end of the first round.
3: Oh, I 100% agree. I don't think it's a, a loaded blue chip group or a loaded surefire first round pick any year they come out group and we're those that that crop is drying up pretty quickly so maybe teams will want to trade up to get the what's left of that group who knows
4: yeah or if you that team right you want to trade out you like you know I could find the same type of player at pick 17 18 I could find Mm -hmm. it at pick 35 right so maybe I can trade back just a little bit maybe recoup a recoup a draft pick for the 2024 draft maybe a second or third rounder um, you know for that
3: draft BP knows I do this all the time I always bring it back to the Steelers he always brings it back to the Niners but the Steelers pick 17 and they pick 32 and I tell Steeler fans all the time they're kind of the same pick
4: yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're all like you can you can because you think about the corner you can get Deontay Banks at 17 you get Deontay Banks at pick 30. <laughs> right right I mean
3: they're, they're not much different
2: that's really interesting yeah and then some teams might say they may have 17 guys with that grade. some teams mm-hmm. might have 15 guys with that grade. so there's trade possibilities right in that little area too uh, depending on which draft analyst you list to and d- depending on how all 32 draft boards are put together uh really quick on broderick jones keith you like him a lot i know what's what if he does reach his ultimate upside like
4: how good is that how good could he be I think this is a potential Pro Bowl guy, and I, I, and I like him in his schemes. Like, think about the the Patriots historically, right? And they've always been a pretty good um, screen team, right? Like, they can throw screens, especially when they had Tom Brady. You think about a really good athlete putting him in space. I think this is one of those guys that would have one of those highlight, you know, because we don't put offensive linemen on highlights, right? But he's one of those guys that can block you know, 20, 30 yards down the field, get down there comfortably um, and, and play some really good blocks. So I think his, his his ceiling is a Pro Bowl guy, like a multiple Pro Bowl guy. And I think he fits really well in this, um, in this offense.
3: I love how he blocks on the move. I love him in the run game. He has all kinds of potential in the pass game. What's crazy is Georgia listed him at 6'4", and he came in the combine taller than what he was in the program. I was like, that never happens. But that never happens. That you never always take off an inch and a half, right? <laughs> right, and he added over an inch. And he does have one really bad habit that people should you know, pay attention to and he needs a fix is when he's in protection, he drops his head a lot and takes his eyes off the target. But that's correctable. Yeah.
2: Excited for Broderick Jones in the NFL. I'm sure Clint Shamblin is as well. He's the host of Locked On Bulldogs to tell us more about Jones, the former
15: Georgia Tech. This is Clint from Locked On Bulldogs, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And we are talking Broderick Jones, offensive tackle prospect out of University of Georgia. And what more is to say other than this guy should be a top 20 pick. He is a linchpin type tackle of any offensive line that you need. Where this guy uh, gets on a, a team that is power run, he can do that very well. He is tall, he is big, he is strong. But what's incredible about him is his finesse in the pass game. The guy does not give up sacks. At his time in Georgia, he was the paramount piece of an offensive line that kept Setson Bennett clean in a pocket. He was a captain. He was, he was the type of guy that you just love having all the intangibles with every bit of freakish athleticism fast 40 time go check out the combine which means this guy can haul on screens on run plays he is strong and georgia has had its run of offensive tackles who are coming out into the league and making cases for cornerstone players on their teams
2: ridiculous amount of talent coming out of georgia right now into the nfl and uh more on broderick jones the half of i'd said the better half earlier uh, and I, I think that was wrong keith uh, we had the better half here. Clearly, <laughs> at the eighth eighth. plus I didn't have to talk to him face-to-face. we got Damian Parson, though, uh, hanging out. And to give us more information on Broderick Jones in the Locked On NFL Draft World.
6: Bill Belichick loves to run the football. Power football is the name of the game for that New England Patriots offense. Adding a Broderick Jones at the offensive tackle position, a guy that can play left tackle because he's a natural left tackle and kick Trenton Brown over to right tackle and just continue to improve this offensive line and the physicality that it plays with with the run game for Mac Jones and the play action pass. When you look at Broderick Jones, he's my OT1. I think he has an extremely high season. Reminds me of Iki Aquanu that was selected last year by the Carolina Panthers. Arm length, power athleticism physicality he just plays with a hunter's mentality and when you pull him off uh, off the line and he's a lead blocker on in screens on the perimeter or toss sweeps on the perimeter he hunts down those second and third level defenders so i really love him as a prospect and i think this is a really good fit for the new england patriots
2: We've got a ton more to go here on the uh, 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft. Peter Bukowski and the Green Bay Packers are on the clock next at pick number 15. And he was trying hard to move up earlier. Uh, I'm getting word that there's some trade conversations happening now with him as well, maybe trying to move down in this draft. Uh, A few teams at the end of round one that might be willing to come up here. The Jaguars are a team that have been talking with them. A few other hosts have been talking about moving up to pick 15, maybe to get one of the last of those clean first round grades on their board. So we'll find out next what's happening with pick 15 and the Green Bay Packers. Okay, we're back in the 2023 locked on NFL mock draft, and we do have some action here at pick 15 and a trade has been consummated. The Packers are no longer on the clock, fellas, and the team that jumped up is the Jacksonville Jaguars from 24 Hmm. to 15 and a big time player on the move. Former first round pick Josh Allen, the pass rusher going from Jacksonville to green Bay. The Jags are trading pick 24 and edge player, Josh Allen is going to the Packers. Packers are giving up 15, pick 15 and their second rounder pick 45 so interesting uh, turn of events here and that tells me maybe that the uh, the Packers probably would have taken an edge rusher with this pick and instead get themselves an extra draft pick and a pass rusher for pick 15 so no longer the Packers now the Jags are here guys what do you think the Jags are doing trying to move up to pick 15 in this draft?
3: well first off BP I was getting a little worried you know when you were going to ask us what should the Packers do here? Because I didn't see a logical fit. You know, I mean, so I think moving back makes a ton of sense for them. You pick up Josh Allen in the prospect in the in the in the meantime, you get his fifth year option. Then you figure it out from there. So he's a nice addition to their defensive front that has first round picks everywhere on that defense. It hasn't, you know, fulfilled the you know the the first round history of that defense. But he's a nice pickup. So I would imagine. When I heard Jacksonville was moving up, I thought, who's their target? You know, is it Darnell Wright? Is it Joey Porter? But maybe it's an edge guy now. I mean, uh, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness, somebody along those lines, since they dealt out.
4: Yeah, I, I think it should be Darnell Wright, right? so he can solidify the offensive yeah, yeah. line in front of Trevor Lawrence. but. The one key part of this is them trading away Josh Allen, right? And you think about last year they drafted Trayvon Walker and I don't know how you felt, Matt uh even Brian, right? I thought Trayvon Walker was more of an interior defensive lineman than he mm-hmm. was an edge guy, but they played him on the edge and they had minimal production. Them trading away Josh Allen they need an edge person, right? They need somebody to get after the quarterback, pressure the quarterback. So while well, I think they should go offensive tackle, I'm kind of leaning towards, I think this would probably be one of those edge rushes, whether that's Miles Murphy, Van Ness, or maybe we can, you know, things get wild and we go
3: Byron Young to somebody. Who knows um, where they decide to go. Yeah, I thought even Will McDonald might even be important. Uh, what about Nolan Smith? If you're, if Nolan if you Smith's were, a good one too, uh, yeah. If
2: Walker might be a better fit, playing more of an inside role than you just go ultimate speed rusher coming from the outside. Maybe that's the direction they're going. Um, I don't know. This this is an interesting one. Let's see what Tony Wiggins is up to. The host of Locked On Jaguars who was ready to go. Who did he move up for in the 2023 Locked On NFL mock draft at pick number 15?
8: I'm Tony Wiggins with Locked On Jaguars. I have the Jaguars selecting Iowa defensive lineman Lucas Van Ness for a lot of reasons. Because Trent Balky loves traits, and I think where the Jaguars are selecting, he will be the last quote-unquote traits guy with upside that the Jaguars will have a chance to get. The other thing is, look, they flat out said it. They need to improve their pass rush. It is the number one priority. It's the part of their team that has to actually be improved if this team is going to take a step further. Josh Allen is on his fifth year. Uh, Deal his fifth-year option, he only has one year left, and I think the Jaguars are going to need options beyond this year for who they select at this pick. And look, I honestly don't know if they can afford to pick another edge rusher when they already have two guys that are playing and they use priority resources to get them. But I do think it's so important to get guys off the field. I think it's so important with all of these quarterbacks in the AFC that the Jaguars Take full advantage of the fact that if Lucas Van Ness is there when they have the selection, that's who they need to pick in order to have as many pass rushers as possible. Give you a little bit of flexibility like Trayvon, where he can slide inside also. And I think that's who will be the pick if it falls this way. Lucas Van Ness, defensive lineman out of Iowa. So
2: certainly Lucas Van Ness is a player that I could see going pick 15 in the draft in this range in the NFL draft, could even go higher in the top 10 and does have a lot of traits. And as someone who covered Trent Baalke with the 49ers, I I know he loves traits. I know he loves arm length and I know he loves power rushers. But my big question here, guys, is, is he too similar to Trevon Walker?
3: Could be. I don't love Van Ness. We talked about this earlier. Both Tony and I prefer Miles Murphy. I do think, you know, Tony made a good point, though, that you could push him inside with Walker, and that gives you a lot of length, physicality against, you know, slower-footed, heavier guards, especially on passing downs. And, you know, they basically buy four years from turning Allen into Van Ness contractual.
4: Yeah, I I agree. This is when the draft get weird, right? This is when the risk (laughs) is is all the same. We're talking about 15 through 45 or something like that. So I I understand the thought process, but the the, the part that scares me is that you're getting a very similar thing, like you talked about, Brian, with Trayvon Walker, a guy that can play outside athletically, but how much will he actually um, dominate as an edge rusher? He's probably better suited to be an interior defensive lineman and win athletically from the inside.
2: Yeah, who's gonna turn the corner on that defense coming off the edge would be my question. Yeah, yeah. With the uh with the Jacksonville Jaguars if they added Van S to, to that group. Blocked on Hawkeyes has a lot of good information watched Lucas Van Ness for a long time there at the University of Iowa.
0: Lucas Van Ness, defensive line out of the University of Iowa. He departs after his redshirt sophomore year as he is a potential first rounder in the NFL draft. I'm Trent Condon with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, watching the short career of Van Ness at the University of Iowa, an impactful player. Right away when he stepped on the field as a redshirt freshman, he made plays all over the place. He's nicknamed Hercules, and he can certainly see it. A guy that didn't even play football until he was an upperclassman in high school. He was a hockey player. His dad, a chiropractor. He is put together physically as well as any prospect that you're going to find, and many people believe that his best football is still in front of him.
2: So Lucas Van S, Hercules as they call him, I, I know they talk big about the uh, he never started a game thing, but he was their dude, right? Keith uh, at, at Iowa and the, the way that they used him He wasn't a senior, so he didn't quote unquote get the starts, but he came in very soon after and and was the main guy on the defensive line. So I don't put any stock into it. Didn't start any game stuff, but I do put some stock into him being a really young player, has a lot of tools. I love the the workout numbers that really made you believe he could be more, but there's more that needs to come for him to be worth a, a top 15 selection.
4: Yeah, that's the position you're in. I, I hope that the Jaguars aren't necessarily drafting him, expecting an immediate impact. I think this is a player whose year two and year three should be better than year one, but obviously they're in a position where they can take over the AFC South. So it'll be fairly interesting to see how they use this combination of Lucas Van Ness and Trayvon Walker moving forward.
2: What do you think about Lucas Van Ness, Matt? You like the pick. You like the fit. You, uh, you think he's one of those top 15 guys, so it's just like, let's draft the best guy here?
3: Um, I don't love him. I mean, I think he's a bully. I think he runs through people with extreme power. He's a bull in the China shop, and that works a lot better in the Big Ten than it does in the NFL. I mean, I think you need more um, bend, you know, more counters, more flexibility. But I think he's also disruptive, you know, that no matter where you line him up, he's a handful. And I just hope that he works on his craft, you know, and he's there's a, there's some stiffness there as well.
2: Disruption equals production. Damian yeah, Persson walked yeah. on NFL draft
6: on Lucas Van Ness and the fit to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars traded up for edge rusher, defensive tackle, whatever he is. Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I'm out on this pick, you know, trading away Josh Allen uh, at edge to get a guy that's probably not a true edge. I I, I just don't see it because I think it puts you in a position where you don't have a true go-getter on the edges. I think Lucas Van Ness is probably more of a tweener that his best reps will probably be reduced at a three-tech inside where he's kind of used to playing because he's very, very raw on the outside, on the perimeter, rushing offensive tackles. And I just don't know if he's going to make a big enough impact for a team that he's impact players to continue to build towards not just winning a playoff game, but getting to the AFC championship game. Yeah, I'm out on, on Lucas Van Ness to the, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Up next, we've got the Washington Commanders with pick 16, the final selection
2: of episode three here in the 2023 NFL locked on mock draft, and David Harrison is going to make that selection unless he trades it away. We've had a few trades here uh, in this mock draft, which has been a lot of fun. So, you know, your favorite team might move up at any, at any moment. So, yeah, y- y- y'all better make sure you're, you're paying attention to every pick and, and every episode of the locked on mock draft special. As it pertains to Washington, they got new ownership. Is that going to mean new direction? Guys, does that mean new quarterback? Matt, what are your thoughts on Washington's pick at 16?
3: Yeah, and I think their roster is actually in better shape than people realize. I don't see a ton of glaring needs. I I think some names to think about are are Levis, and I'm just not super high on Levis, but I could see that being the approach. Um, How about Bijan here? You know, I mean, with all respect to Robinson and Gibson, he'd be a massive upgrade and would be very Sam Howell friendly or next year's quarterback friendly. Uh, I could see Osiris Torrance, you know, just coming in and really completing their O line, maybe right right tackle or even bump him into guard until he's ready to move the right tackle. So there's a lot of options. Um, Maybe even the first tight end off the board. I mean, Logan Thomas is really up in age. And I think Joey Porter Jr. should be in play here as well.
2: Yeah, a tight end run could start any time. Yeah. a really good tight end class. Is there
4: one prospect that stands above the rest for you here, Keith? Ah, man, this is tough. Like this man said, this is a a pretty decent roster. I like the Bijan pick, though, and I like the Bijan because, like, this is where the fall off for the running back value per, you know, positional value kind of conversation gets weird because I don't know if I'm selecting any other player, um, you know, and and feel good about selecting them over Bijan Robinson at this point because he's probably one of three or four blue chip prospects that I have in this draft, and we're at – pick number 16 so you know you're talking about a good value you're talking about like Matt said quarterback friendly hand the football off you have two wide receivers and Terry McLaurin uh Josh Dotson maybe you can go tight end but I think the I think in this tight end class, you can also find a similar caliber player in the second round. And I think the same thing with corner. So I would go B. John Robinson. If not, I try to trade out of this pick and get down maybe to like 25 or you know 26 somewhere around there and possibly pick up an interior offensive lineman or maybe a corner.
2: That's a good point about this point in the draft because one of the things – that if teams have a big drop-off in their grades on their draft board, trading becomes an option and at the, and, and then maybe an, an, a position that, and look, I, I've, I've sort of been driving the bus on the running backs don't matter thing, and I still think 16 is too high for a running back, but if there is a significant drop-off in your draft board and now you're into those second second-round grade players, then maybe running back does start to make more sense, even though the positional value might not be there for running backs like it once was, and you know you're getting a heck of a football player as well if you do get the, the best running back in this class, which is Bijan Robinson. And there's probably a pretty significant drop to the next best running back in this class. So uh, interesting things to think about here for Washington. And David Harrison, who's ready with the pick at number 16 in the 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft.
14: With the 16th pick in the Locked On Mock NFL Draft, the Washington Commanders select Alabama defensive back Brian Branch. I'm David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast And the big question with the Washington Commanders' secondary really is, is Benjamin St. Juice going to stay outside where he moved last season and thrived until injuries kind of derailed the rest of the season? Or are they going to move him back inside where he started training camp and was getting coached up to play, start, and thrive before William Jackson ultimately fell apart for the Commanders and they had to move on and find a different answer on the outside? I think that the Washington Commanders should – not fix what isn't broken. Keep Benjamin St. Juice on the outside. Continue his development there. Uh, let him get healthy. Maybe draft another backup uh, to be a little bit of insurance. But address the nickel position. Right now, the Washington Commanders starting nickel penciled in to be Danny Johnson. Danny Johnson is a solid, good player. But let's go get a great player. Alabama defense back Brian Branch immediately comes in as a favorite to be the starting nickel for the Washington Commanders defense who spent over 70% of the last season in nickel coverage. And in a pinch, whether it be from injury, performance, what have you, he can play free safety as well. For more on this, the NFL Draft and everything Washington Commanders, check me out five days a week on the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: I love this pick for the Washington Commanders, Brian Branch. The more I watch him, the more I love him. And it's funny because you go through the draft process, and, Keith, I don't know what it's like for you to build your board and, and how you like players. You watch all the tape through all the college season and past seasons, and you say, Brian Branch, one of the best players in this draft. And then maybe some other things happen. The combine happens, and he doesn't run amazing. He's not the biggest guy, so it's hard to say, oh, he's a freak of nature. Is going to be a top-ten pick. And then you go – again back to the tape and you're like oh yeah that's right he's one of the best players in this draft because he doesn't miss tackles he's everywhere you watch Alabama's defense and number 14 shows up time and time again
4: yeah, no, I, I agree with you from a talent perspective. I would ask from a like from the value, right? Like, was any other team behind you going to draft this guy? And that's why we talked about moving down, right? I just don't know if this is a guy that was still going to fall to the top end of the second round. I liken this class to that twenty twenty class, I think, where they had Xavier McKinney and Grant Delpit and Antoine Winfield. I think you're going to see a very similar thing to where I don't. I think if the Commanders wouldn't have drafted him, I think he would have failed to the second round, and he could have possibly got him there so good football player i just think as far as value this was kind of bit of a reach because I, i this is the one thing i question we want our defensive backs to be so versatile but the one question mark i did have about brian branch was his ability to play man to man um understand his technique you know don't get stemmed by wide receivers and slot wide receivers so that's the only question mark i have about him but i do like brian branch and think he's a good football player
2: matt is he a is he a nickel corner can you project him to safety? Is he an every-down player? And does it matter with how much uh, sub that teams are playing in the NFL?
3: Yeah, I mentioned Porter as a possibility, but I, I thought David had some really good points about the, the St. Juice angle. You know, St. Juice should be better on the outside. They need a slot more than they need an outside. So I get it. And I thought David you know, laid this out pretty well. I think I said earlier in the episode that anyone that takes Brian Branch, I'm not going to criticize him. You know, like he's a welcome addition to any defense, any secondary, as a slot, as a deep safety, quarterback of the defense, Saban's favorite guy, has a lot of Minka to his game. So I think it's a very safe pick. I think it's a leadoff double.
2: Jimmy Stein once again standing by, Locked On Bama host to give us some insight on
11: Brian Branch out of Alabama. Let's talk about Brian Branch. It's a nickel corner from Alabama. Uh, Brian is very, very good friends with Will Anderson, and uh, I, I'm sure they would like to play with each other, but both will be drafted uh, maybe in the first rounds, and that's very unlikely. This is Jimmy Stein from Lockhill, Man, to talk about Brian. Uh, what makes Brian such, such a spectacular NFL prospect is. He checks every box as a defensive back. He's good in coverage. He's very good against the run. He's a good blitzer. He's a good zone defensive back. He can even play man coverage on outside wide receivers. This is a real talented kid. He's an excellent tackler. He may have been the best tackler on Alabama's defense. To Damian Parson,
2: we go checking in from Locked On NFL Draft. And, and Keith, I'm sensing a little bit of... Uh, some group think maybe between the two of you guys. You seem to like and, and dislike a lot of the same prospects. So uh, I, I'm interested to, to hear what Damian Parson has to say about Brian Branch to Washington at 16.
6: Solid pick, but, I mean, is safety a need? You have, uh, with Der, uh, a Derek Forrest, Derek Forrest, and, and Cam Curl. I, I don't foresee this as a pick that's a necessary move for this team where they need cornerback help. With the top corners, some of the top corners still available, Jory Porter Jr. and and and, and Julius Brents and so forth and so on, still on the board to select Brian Branch, who I really like, but he's a nickel. He's a nickel strong safety-s type of player. And I just don't see the need. To draft him here, so I'm out on adding him to this to to this defense. Where you really need an outside corner, a a true uh, potential to become a CB one for your for your defense. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the pick.
2: I had a feeling there that Damian was going to agree with you, Keith. I, I sensed it that you guys weren't super big on Brian Branch here.
4: <laughs> That's locked on NFL draft podcast, man. We, you know, we just have those discussions. Um, some of them we agree, some of them we disagree. So I'm sure later on in the draft, you'll probably hear um to where me, me and Damian Parsons we don't uh, agree on everything.
2: <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about a former Steeler great son. That is uh, that is maybe someone that could go in this area of the NFL draft. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are the team that's up next in this draft. So, Matt, we're going to have some fun tomorrow talking about more Steelers and more draft picks here as we get to the second half of the locked on nfl draft mock draft special actually we're beyond halfway now because thanks to the miami dolphins there's only 31 first round picks this year but we will get to the dolphins first pick we'll get to all the teams picks that did not have first round selections in this mock draft as well next time but before we wrap up this episode
12: three let's check in with the draft dudes for their thoughts on all the recent picks so we've got about half of the first round done here and I'll tell you what really stands out to me is this trade that just came through. The Jaguars moving up nine spots, 24 to 15, to draft Lucas Van Ness, the edge out of Iowa. Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers acquire Josh Allen, the edge rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars. The edge rusher, Josh yeah, yeah. Yeah. The edge rusher from the Jaguars. (laughs) Uh, is now a Green Bay Packer. I really like this for the Packers. I yeah, mean, me too. To, to get a player like that that I think is a really good f- uh, scheme fit uh, for what they like to do, Rashawn Gary coming back from uh, injury. And I think this adds to that. It gives them a nice hedge there for, you know, you just never know how guys come back and how they bounce back. But Josh Allen, I think, is an extremely versatile front seven player that they can really use to to boost that, that edge rush and, and give them an overall playmaker for that defense. And they still are picking in the first round, just nine spots later. And meanwhile, I mean, Jacksonville comes up for Lucas Van I, I just, I don't know if that's a great trade off. Maybe you didn't. No, want to come pay on. Josh
5: Allen, Trent, Trent Bulky's running the show over well, there. Come on now.
12: Well, I, I, I have, they just drafted number one makes overall sense last from year. From that perspective, but did we get better? Did we get better? I don't think we did.
5: I think you, you financially reset the deck on some spending when you are wanting to spend around Trevor Lawrence. So I get it. I'm not advocating because I don't think you got better at that position, but I'll echo your sentiments real quick uh, before I, I talk about the biggest thing for me in the first half of this first round uh, for the fact that the Green Bay Packers, this frees up Preston Smith to, to play inside a little bit more frequently. You think about Josh Allen and the versatility and, and how the Packers really got a lot of run out of ZaDarius Smith when he was at, at his peak there. Uh, that's a really exciting development for the Packers. But the biggest move for me in the first half of the first round is the move that hasn't been made. Quarterback Will Levis is still on the board, and we're wondering when this slide is going to stop. Now, you have a couple teams in the next probably eight picks that you could maybe justify looking at. You know, the the Detroit Lions passed over quarterback the first time around, and they've got Jared Goff on a big contract. Tom Brady left the Buccaneers high and dry, and uh, you think about potentially the same deal with the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith on a short-term deal, the Minnesota Vikings. There's a lot of teams that are coming up that you could potentially make the case for a long-term play at quarterback which one's going to make the decision that this is the way that we need to go and stop the slide for Will Lentz. Next up
2: is the Pittsburgh Steelers at pick 17. We'll get to on the next episode of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft. We have the second first-round selections for both the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. There's more trade talk happening uh, within those picks between pick 17 and 22. Bijan Robinson, uh, a lot of people's favorite player in this draft that certainly in other eras would have already been off the board is still available. Joey Porter Jr. still out there at cornerback. Uh, we haven't had a run on tight ends yet in this draft. And there's a lot of chatter, maybe some more trades, a lot of good players still out there. And don't forget, you can find the entire special on both audio and video at the Locked On NFL Mock Draft, Locked On NFL Podcast feed, and of course, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show feeds. For Matt Williamson and Keith Sanchez, I'm Brian Peacock. We'll see you for the rest of the first round and beyond of the Locked Locked on NFL draft mock draft special part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.